sometimes other other tech startups are a little different. It, you know, it's as easy as downloading something from an app store mm. and it makes it so easy. In the neurospace, to really be successful, you're a combination entity often, right? Especially in movement disorders because they're going to need help or support. Even so, it, you know, we sometimes have to ha be able to have an eco-skeleton to support the weight of somebody who can't move mm. um, and things like that. So we have some unique challenges that we're not just an app that can be downloaded. Mm -hmm. um, that you can't just scan a QR code and here you go, here's your digital therapeutic. There's a lot more to us. Um, and behavioral interventions, you know, they're, they're probably, they know, everybody knows they work from studies and models, but how to do it, that's, that's been a, that's where the, some of the challenges lie, because sometimes it's easier when the ecosystem already exists. Like if you think if you're just an app and you download it, well, the app, you know, Apple's been around for ages mm -hmm. and the app store has been there for ages. So you don't even need to build that. Everybody who has a phone has mm -hmm. access to it. For us, we've got to create more of the steps along the way. Um, and we may need to start in a hospital where they are not accustomed to having technology within their facilities in that way. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics they talk, we listen. Can you imagine getting into a business or a market where you actually spend a hundred billion plus on a piece of paper? Are you kidding me? It was like a frying pan of the head. I got nothing against CFOs. It was not just the job of a lifetime, it was the job of a thousand lifetimes. My guest today has over 25 years predominantly in leadership roles in the neuromedical sector. She is the global chief commercial officer of a neurotechnology company that famously became the first Swiss unicorn when in 2016 it raised $100 million in Series A1 funding. We're going to talk about some of the innovations in this industry, many led by her organization, as well as the challenges faced commercializing products in this sector. This will be a fascinating conversation today on Heads Talk, but before we get into that, here's a brief message. US Private Capital Forum, Go Real 2023, launched now until the end of March, with on-demand sessions offering attendees the utmost flexibility to access industry-specific content and deals on their terms. It will bring together over 100 speakers from across Europe over a broad agenda covering private equity, venture capital, real estate, and private debt. For details, visit www.eurosforum.org. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Patricia Bradley is the Global Chief Commercial Officer at Mind Maze, a global pioneer in the development of neurotechnology and digital therapeutics for neurological recovery and care. Patricia has more than two and a half decades in the sector, and prior to joining Mind Maze, she held the role of US Chief Commercial Officer for Humor, a digital healthcare company leveraging technology to transform decentralized healthcare and research in the US. She led the business to gain recognition as the Galian Foundation's first digital health product in 2021. Previously, as Vice President of Sales and Vice President of Marketing at Novo Nordisk, 
Patricia built a clinical education startup that was recognized as best in class. She led a team to make Nova Nordisk the first and only pharmaceutical company to win two consecutive NCQA certifications for program design. Patricia pioneered patient-level data mining for field deployment and HCP targeting and sat on the executive marketing leadership team. Academically, Patricia holds an MBA and a bachelor's degree with a dual major in business economics and political science. Let's begin. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Patricia to this new series on Headstalk. Happy to have you here today. Thank you for having me. I look forward to the conversation. Indeed. Let's start with this, your company. Um, for my listeners, please provide a brief introduction to MindMaze and the work that you've been doing there. So MindMaze is a is a neurodigital technology company. We, for, we focus on neural issues such as stroke, Parkinson's disease, traumatic brain injury, concussion, MS, and other movement disorders. Um, with that, we're really looking to provide support to the full continuum of care, starting mm -hmm. with the initiation of an issue. Say, for example, if somebody has a stroke or a brain injury, starting with therapy and interventions within the hospital, but then going through with them all the way through to rehab, and then eventually to the home so that we can optimize outcomes for patients and get them back to their fullest recovery that's possible and really trying to maximize the outcomes for patients. Um, I would say that's what we do in a nutshell and everything else is in support of that. So we make both software and hardware mm -hmm. in support of those services, which is quite unique. Um, there's been no no new interventions in this area, especially specifically in stroke, since 1996 when TPA came out. There's been no interventions really since then. Uh, uh, and in, in terms of mind maze, there's you have sort of like two core divisions, haven't you? The mind maze healthcare and the mind maze lab. Yes. So I primarily sit on the healthcare side. Labs is really. Uh, truly innovation. And I would say that's where we are with neuroperformance mm -hmm. and looking at all the things you can tap into the brain. So for example, that's where you get into athlete performance, understanding um, the mechanics of how the mind works, the mind-body connection, mm -hmm. and then using that and the science of it to then help patients on the healthcare side. Mm -hmm. So same thing, if you can optimize your brain's performance, Mm -hmm. um, as you do with athletes, you can take that then over into patients and optimize their performance. So mm -hmm. just like I can make a race car driver a better driver, I can make a patient better at moving mm -hmm. and optimize their movements. And that's what we try to tap into. So really leveraging all that we can out of the brain, as that is probably the last frontier. Oh, yes, yes, indeed. It's, 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 it's interesting how the brain is it's, it sort of feels like it's the one major organ that we really don't fully understand. So I feel there's a lot more that to be revealed in that sense, in terms of um, in innovation in that space. Okay, um, let's dive into your role as the Global Chief Commercial Officer. What does that entail? <laughs> well, it depends on what kind of company you're at, right? In some yeah. companies, it can be a very specific sales and marketing role. At a startup company, it's sales, marketing, and everything else that is possibly under the sun. So I have a global role, which means I look at the deployment and rollout of MindMaze across the globe, meaning we're in more than 15 plus countries. We're in mm -hmm. 
Europe, we're in Germany, obviously Switzerland, the UK, France, Southern Europe with Spain, Iberia, Portugal, of, of course, as part of that. Um, we're in India, we're expanding into uh, UAE, the US, of course, which is always considered to be one of the largest healthcare markets is a critical market for us. But we're looking across North America, South America, and other uh, innovative expansion markets. So really, we're looking at all of it. We look mm -hmm. at different deployment models in all those areas because it may not be one size fits all. Yep. Reimbursement and the healthcare systems can be very different from one country to the next. Um, so we we have to customize our approach, but we look for that red thread that we can pull through from country to country, mm -hmm. uh, whether that be from evidence generation, um, the patient journey, uh, mm -hmm. where there are similarities in the patient journey from country to country. But basically that's my responsibility is to commercialize it yeah. across the globe. And uh, we have a, a large portfolio too. So it's it's a complicated job and yeah. one that I look to my team to mm -hmm. get local insights into the marketplace. So I think it's always critical to have people on the ground mm -hmm. in the countries that you want to be in who grew up within those markets, who truly understand them from the inside out. Yeah. Um, and then leveraging that expertise as we have our go-to-market strategy. Okay. Okay. We're going to talk about um, your portfolio in a bit, but you know, this is the age of partnerships and collaboration, and my maze doesn't escape this. Um, no. I, I think I had one recent guest um, that said that collaboration is the new innovation. So let's look at this further. <laughs> Tell us about MindMaze's recent partnership with Mount Sinai Health Systems. And what is it all about? And what do you hope to achieve with this? So Mount Sinai is often recognized as one of the top hospitals in New York City for many years, but they, they are also very innovative. Um, and in that, you know, we've we've collaborated with leaders, David Petrino there specifically, who runs um, a health innovation uh, hub mm -hmm. there. We're working closely with him to look at the full continuum of care. So how does high dose, high intensity care work in the continuum, in that total patient journey? And then can we also take those learnings that we get in the lab and bring it all the way to the home so that we can provide neurocare actually in the home and utilize digital assets to do that. And that includes, um, you know, trying to help stroke patients, concussion patients, and then also assess and monitor those mm -hmm. patients for the long haul so that we can optimize outcomes. Because what you see too often is that teeter-totter, um, that up and down that can happen. Mm -hmm. People, uh, people never often re reach their full potential for recovery. So we're trying to lift the bar mm -hmm. and get optimal results, but then also maintain it for the long haul. And that's going to require both inpatient and outpatient care mm -hmm. in the process. So that's what we're working on with them is that full continuum of care from hospital all the way through to home. And then also um, getting help and support as we create the evidence that we need for a full reimbursement model here in the U.S. Mm. Is, is it too early to say how things are going with this um, partnership? Um, well, we're seeing really good results um, from that, and, and this will air after this is done. We recently also signed uh, a collaborative agreement with Vibra Health, which is one of the largest healthcare systems with over uh, 45 hospitals from coast to coast in the U.S. Mm -hmm. in both critical care and rehab, and that will come out this week. So this will actually air after that press release comes out. Um, so that's an additional part of the, one of the partnerships we signed that we are looking 
to really be able to pull through care from acute care, critical care, to rehab, to outpatient rehab, uh, so that we can bring it all the way home and help mm -hmm. people in their journey. Because these things don't go away. It's not like it's a one and done. It's not like mm -hmm. you you take a pill and you're cured. You mm -hmm. have to be in kind of a continuous loop if you truly want to have the best quality of life that you can yeah. have. As, as you say, the patient's journey it just sounds sort of like a holistic plan you have you have in place there. Um, I, I want to look at some of the products now that that's in the public domain. Um, um, can we get a, a sense of what is in your portfolio, in Mind May's portfolio? So we we are actually, um, we come from five different companies that started and merged together. But with that, we have MindPod, which is that fully immersive surround sound type of care that you can get in a hospital. Mm -hmm. um, and that is really for neuro recovery. And that's what that's designed for. And that's what we're doing trials on. Um, so that is one product. That's our mind pod. Then we have mm -hmm. the mind motion go, mm -hmm. which is used more in rehab clinics, but then also can step down and go home with the patients. So it can be at their home to continue their care level. Mm -hmm. And then we have what we would call what you see in some other things, digital assets, like a companion product that also does assessments. Mm -hmm. And then we make hardware that's also in service to our software that can do things that are currently not out there. So it can, we have things like the IZAR that can measure the smallest hand movement and turn that into a game or a beautiful visual stimulation that helps kind of engage patients. We have uh, Physiolog, which is a product that can measure gait and movement and fall risk. And then we even get into things where you can't move electrical stimulation with our Nintendo product that can force the hand to move. So you can create the connections in the brain by making the movement happen too. So we're not just, we're not an app, you know, we're not just an app. We are actually a full on electronic um, digital device, but then also make, make, like I said, the hardware to be in service to the software to do even more. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that you, you sort of hit the, the, the three sort of pillars within neuroscience. That's the sort of the health side of things. You, you mentioned earlier about the performance and now you've just recently talked about the, the social, the, the sort of the gaming side of things. So it's it's interesting to see that. And I'd pretty much like to talk about that further, but I think it'd be nice if you could tell my listeners about some of the successes, for example, of mind motion go because when i did my research um on your organization i saw a plethora of you know favorable reviews on this can you just give my listeners a sense of the feedback you're getting from users and customers well you know if, if you look at it i mean i can tell you from my own you know my own personal journey i got into this because um they started talking to me when my dad was in rehab and if anybody understands what happens in rehab, you know, you go for, you might be in a rehab hospital, um, but you go in for care and maybe you get an hour a day of rehab, mm -hmm. but then there's all this downtime. And because you already have some movement impairment, you're usually limited to your bed. They don't mm -hmm. want you to move. Mm -hmm. um, so if you think about it, if you can do high dose, high intensity rehabilitation, like Mind Motion Go can do, you can get optimal recovery. And we have seen that over and over in our patient testimonials where patients are up and moving. So you have this unique window. And if mm -hmm. you let people sit too long, it's either use it or lose it. I mean, mm -hmm. and 
And it's not just use it or lose it. It's like, if you want to have optimal recovery of function and movement, you've got to move it a lot. Hmm. And how do you do that in a way that they don't even know what they're doing? If you think about it, we've seen studies that show that the average number of movements, say for upper limb in -hmm. a traditional rehab uh, setting is like 30 or in that range. And by using technology where they don't even realize what they're doing because they're sucked into the game, Mm -hmm. you can get that up to high 200s, even sometimes 300s. So you're significantly increasing the number of movements and that it's common sense. It's got to have a positive effect on the patient. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a good thing. I I, I don't even think, you know, sometimes we usually don't get many questions about the validity of that because it's just common sense. More movement is better. And by creating that muscle memory, you're helping patients for the long haul. And then if you can create a very creative way mm-hmm. to keep that going, and they can do this at home and it's an mm-hmm. engaging environment, mm-hmm. you're setting them up for a way that makes it easier on them, easier on their family and their caregivers, mm-hmm. because of course, these people already have issues with movement. So getting to and from an a, you know outdoor yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, a rehab facility is not easy for them or for their families or for transportation. So you want to, you want to find a different way. And that's where Mm -hmm. I truly believe technology plays a role because it can be that extra way to do it. That doesn't increase the burden Mm -hmm. and that there's economies of scale in doing it that way. And it makes it fun. I mean, we all know any of us who have kids, we know how well you can get sucked into a video game. We've seen it over and over. So why not leverage that the way the brain is wired mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. use it to your benefit when there's a health, where there is an outcome you can improve by doing it. So if you can create fun games that are challenging, yeah. that are protocolized so that you are working the part of the body you should be working and yeah. not just compensating by using your good hand, but getting the other parts working and knowing and using technology in an unbiased way that it can also assess you and catch you when you're not doing it appropriately and then make adjustments because of it, you really can set up a patient for their best result. And that's what we're trying to do. Well, I think this was compelling because when I sort of did my research and looking at Mind Maze and I came across um, these various reviews on the products, I thought, this while I'm fascinated by the the mechanics of the product and what it does to hear it from the users, it, I, I thought it was quite compelling. And perhaps I'm, if you permit me, I, I would probably put a link in your episode description to that so that the listeners can actually see what users are saying about these products. And I think you know it would just tell a great story for them to to have a listen to and actually watch. Um, <laughs> fun i mean it's fun and then not only in that in the assessment part they can see the improvement in movement they can see how much their how much their range of motion is changing they Mm -hmm. can see how much more they're doing than when they started and that you know it's like gaming the system for their advantage when you can feel it and see it they want to keep going but also then it's on us to keep it fun entertaining and to have it you know change over time so that it grows with them and Mm -hmm. there are you know, that's that's part of creating that full portfolio of different games that move different parts of the body and making it fun in the mm. process. Mm. Let, let's continue talking about um, new technology products. I think this is an interesting set of questions around the, the commercialization of products and inventions in the neurotechnology space. 
I want to talk about how complex it is um, getting products to market generally uh, and things specific to, to Mind Maze. So we got a taste of um, one or two of your products. What were some of the commercial challenges Mind Maze faced um, over the period of inception to today? And how did you overcome them? Well, we're still in it. It's not, I would say digital, there are so many digital healthcare companies out there and they're all very different. There are many digital therapeutic companies, um, but many of them are just pure app-based. So, so the first thing of course is, is reimbursement, right? And I have not solved, solved that yet. Um, that's an ongoing journey is, is getting reimbursement and that's a country by country issue. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to do things like pilots, you have uh, with healthcare providers, with payers, you have to have good evidence. So you have to do clinical trials just as if you were a drug mm -hmm. and building that body of evidence and then designing clinical trials, knowing what the commercial endpoints need to be so that payers will then support them. So there is always a commercial component mm -hmm. of clinical trial design that you have to think about, you know, think about the end in mind of what you want and what your customers are going to require as far as evidence is concerned. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, you get involved in, in trial design, making sure that it creates a commercially viable product. Um, but then also you have to think about the user experience. How do you get these things set up in the home? How does, you know, it's not like a drug. You just go, a prescription gets electronically sent to a pharmacy and you go pick it up or gets written on a piece of paper and you go pick it up. You have to create all those steps along the way mm -hmm. to get it filled, to get it to show up at your house, to get it opened up in a step guide, to create the pitch decks that would go out, to test your messages, to understand who is the right customer. Now I have a lot of customers. I have neurologists, I have mm -hmm. therapists, I have hospital administrators. I have patients, I have caregivers, I have administrators galore within all of these entities. Um, so you you're, have a large group that you have to talk to. So you have to have very specific information and resources for them, um, in addition to the people who are out there in the marketplace. And then you have things like distributors too, yes. where this can go through a third party, in some cases, in some countries. So it gets very complex, which means that you get very good at contracts <clears throat> and legal components, understanding too what can or cannot be said based upon your label, mm -hmm. um, regulatory you, requirements. I was about to say, you haven't even talked about regulatory and then you just mentioned. Yeah, no, I know, I know. There's, there's regulatory requirements. There's, there's patient legal. privacy requirements. There's legal everything. There's uh, country cloud requirements for where data can go. So you think about it. So Science. many things have to and be things. set up oh in this process. Gosh, yeah. the, the the list goes on and on. And and what I tell people working for a company like this, first of all, it's always important to have the meetings before the meetings, right? Let's um, <laughs> Meet with people, pre-negotiate some of your endpoints, um, you know, mm -hmm. so that's why sometimes commercialization starts before you're even in the marketplace. Okay, what are you going to need from an evidence perspective for this to mean something for you? What specific patient cohort would you be open to working mm -hmm. in? I don't, I don't think, I don't get too many arguments on, on, you know, is this a good thing? Yeah. It's, 
I, I think most people feel that technology is really well suited to help in this area. It's just how do you create the mechanics for that, you know, for that to align with the healthcare ecosystem. Mm. You, you've been in this game for a long time. I mean, I've said it in the introduction and you're, you're, you're in that space. Right. Don't date me now. Don't date me. <laughs> I'm, I'm pre-qualifying you for this great answer you're about to give me um, as a sort of an, an add-on to this conversation. Um, would you say that neurotechnology startups face a, a unique set of um, challenges in the commercial space to that of other tech startups? Um. Yes, yes and no. I mean, if you think about it, sometimes other other tech startups are a little different. It, you know, it's as easy as downloading something from an app store mm. and it makes it so easy. In the neurospace, to really be successful, you're a combination entity often, right? Especially in movement disorders because they're going to need help or support. Even so, it, you know, we sometimes have to ha be able to have an eco-skeleton to support the weight of somebody who can't move. Mm -hmm. um, and things like that. So we have some unique challenges that we're not just an app that can be downloaded, mm -hmm. um, that you can't just scan a QR code and here you go, here's your digital therapeutic. There's a lot more to us. Um, and behavioral interventions, you know, they're they're probably they know everybody knows they work from studies and models, but how to do it? That's that's been a that's where the, some of the challenges lie because sometimes it's easier when the ecosystem already exists. Like if you think if you're just an app and you download it, well, the app, you know, Apple's been around for ages, mm -hmm. and the App Store has been there for ages. So you don't even need to build that. Everybody who has a phone has mm -hmm. access to it. For us, we've got to create more of the steps along the way, um, and we may need to start in a hospital where they are not accustomed to having technology within their facilities in that way. And they're not incentivized mm -hmm. in that way. What's and, the ecosystem like? Well, I mean, if you think about it, let's let's start with stroke. You have a stroke, you wind up in the ER. You wind up put into ICU. Um, ideally, as soon as you are, you are stabilized, mm -hmm. they should really be trying to tap into what they call that hyperplastic phase that that right after where your body, right after injury from a stroke or any other brain injury mm -hmm. is desperately trying to find a way to get itself moving. I mean, your people are, the human body is resilient. It's, it's not trying to stop. It's trying to start. It's trying to find its way forward mm -hmm. and get you moving. And if you just let it sit there, it is, you lose it. Um, and you lose that opportunity. So you want to hit them mm -hmm. really quickly mm -hmm. with an intervention and a behavioral intervention, because we know that, that that works. Your body will find a way to get itself moving or wants to find a way to get itself moving, if especially when you're putting those stimulus in front of it. Mm -hmm. But that means, you know, you've got to change the way care is given. Mm -hmm. Normally, it's just stabilize and, and move them out. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have to have connections of care between step-down yes. care. So once they are stabilized, that you can continue this level of care to the next point, to the next point, and there's consistency. What we have in the U.S. specifically are gaps in care and lapses. Mm -hmm. I mean, if anybody's mm -hmm. ever taken a relative to the hospital, um, how many times they had to tell the story of what happened to them? Yeah, I and mean, where it failed along the patient's journey. Sort of thing. It's, yeah. it's it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, 
it's mm. it's crazy. And and meanwhile, they have a chart there, and for some reason, there are lapses in what people see or get because the system is so over, overburdened. Mm. Um, just mm. with you know a shortage in providers, uh, time constraints, the way the system is incentivized based upon just you know more like tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's activity-based, not necessarily always outcome-based, even though we've been striving to get towards outcome-based care for the longest time, we're still basically a fee-for-service mm-hmm. type <laughs> of entity. And so it doesn't incentivize the right things. Um, and unfortunately, then the patient suffers in the process. But you mm-hmm. know, there's a lot of things that need to change, but I think people do want to change it. And, and that's part of why, why we're here. Oh, yeah. And I think that people actually outlining what the issues are is, is pretty much a good start. And I, th- I think one, one of the things that really I looked at, especially in the, in the startup space, I was wondering, do you find that, you know, there are a hell of a lot of inventions and products? This is in the neuroscience space. <laughs> and in, in, investors, it's about the investors, and investors are, are, are a little wary and perhaps, I don't know, overcautious in this space as opposed to, say, a fintech startup. Uh, well, I think I think it's you know it's it's changed over time, and and it's the it's the lack of an ecosystem to support it, right? How do you yeah. get reimbursement? How does it even get fulfilled? How do patients get access to this in a way that then the healthcare provider is also connected, so somebody is monitoring what is going on, and mm-hmm. there are there are breaks in that. Um, I do think that you know with COVID, of course, that did shift a lot to digital care, yeah. and. And while that has slowed down, it opened the doors and was kind of the 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 silver lining to to that is that there's been a shift in realizing truly that technology is the one way you can scale up in a way that that helps with bias. It helps equalize things. Um, computers don't care. They're not biased, right? Mm-hmm. They they're just programs. They're algorithms. They're programs. They follow a track. And they're not taking into consideration many things. So it gets it can help with health disparities. It can help with people who don't have access to care because mm-hmm. you can electronically fly in. All you need mm-hmm. is a is a phone mm-hmm. and, and you can connect to somebody. Um, and they can assess in a way that removes rater bias because it's just following its track and it's gonna give you an actual assessment that mm-hmm. doesn't have an individual bias because we all know there's rater bias too. And how you do healthcare assessments, so mm-hmm. measuring somebody's function. Um, so I, I do think that that they are positive on technologies like this. But I think if you think about investors, it is that ecosystem, and and it's a long haul. It's not a short term investment. It's a long haul investment, mm-hmm. realizing that the other steps have to follow, and we're going to need help. Do you think the ecosystem is a a big hindrance? with investors um, getting involved on certain levels? Uh, I don't know. I I think wanting a quick return, it's an impediment to wanting a quick return um, because you don't fit into an already mature ecosystem. Mm-hmm. But I, I still think there's a lot of investors who for many reasons are emotionally drawn to getting the benefits of technology and can see it, it is common sense. So we know this is coming, um, but but it will take partnerships mm. and it will even take 
some of them, you know, like you're you're going to need the larger healthcare systems to want to take that step forward in innovation. Some of the large hospital systems. That's why like Vibro was very important for us mm. um, because they are coast to coast hospitals uh, and rehab centers from coast to coast. So it's it's going to take that, the data from all of that, getting connected to the EHR systems through that. And, and really they don't build it until there's somebody who wants it. So mm-hmm. let's, mm-hmm. let's be real, you know, you need it, but until you actually get somebody to say yes, the rest of the systems don't fall in place. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the money, the money and, and investment kind of follows where, okay. where that goes. So stick with money and investment. Um, we know there's, there's a lot. There's a lot in fintech. There's a lot in all the arms of fintech, from insurtech to regtech to wealth tech. <laughs> the money's there. The investors are happy, and it's growing, and it's quite big. Roughly, when do you think neurotech's going to get to that sort of level? Uh, I think it's. I think it. It. It's. It's almost ready. Um, I think it's gonna. It's. It's gonna get closer and closer. We're seeing it with some of the companies coming out with different digital therapeutics for, for things like ADHD mm-hmm. um, and others and getting approval there. I think that's kind of the first step. They are the, they are going to take the brunt of some of the problems. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we, we watch and learn a little bit in this process, um, mm-hmm. but hopefully that will then propel us much faster mm-hmm. in those of us that are, that are, you know, in the same zone in a mm-hmm. different area, but we'll be we'll be coming up right behind them. Just um, talking, talking to people like you, um, especially with this series, it almost to me, I could be wrong. It feels like it's the next big thing um, in terms of, of that sort of rise in in, in the tech space. I, I, it just feels that way. It's, it's like it's about to explode. I'm just waiting for this time. I think so. If I do think so. I mean, I, there's just so much to gain from it. So. You know, hospitals are at capacity. They can't put more patients in there. Yeah. Patients yeah. are waiting for care. Uh, yeah. Look at the UK alone. There's a there's like six month waiting lists for mm-hmm. patients to get in. Mm-hmm. That those long waits, people deteriorate significantly during that time, and then the cost of care mm-hmm. goes up dramatically for the lifetime of that patient. Yeah, we can't yeah. afford that. So, I kind of think there's no choice but for people to get moving in these areas. I mean, it. It, we can't afford not to. So I do think it's going to happen. I do think it's 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 going quicker. I've seen it actually accelerate during my time. So I've been in digital health now for a number of years and I'm seeing things where I am now move a little bit faster mm-hmm. and people willing to move quicker mm-hmm. um, to to bring these, these technologies into yeah. their facilities yeah. that I did see in the past. I used to see these little teeny pilots and everybody wanted to do a tiny yeah. pilot. Um, but now I say, no, you see digital formularies are, are getting more mainstream. The ecosystem is starting to come in. You must collaborate. Portability of patient data yeah. is making information um, to, you know, that interoperability easier mm-hmm. to happen. So there's enough momentum. Um, things are moving faster. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. would say previously to get a collaborative opportunity with somebody would take you two years, 18 months. Yeah. And now I'm seeing we're at the table much sooner than that. Yeah. That's and cool. so there is an acceleration. With that comes more investment, I think. Yeah. Um, be with more investment comes more partners and it becomes its own kind of snowball effect. Yeah. Um, 
all boats ride and rise with the tide. Um, oh. I, I think it's not there. It's not there yet. But I sort of suspect with the way neurotech's going and other biotech solutions, products, whatnot, there's going to be an impact on the pharmaceutical industry. Um, what What do you think about that? It's probably one of the best areas for collaboration because the lift above control, looking at drugs. So if you think about it, if you have a drug that works on any movement disorder and you can add in a digital intervention, like a behavior. Really personalizing it, really personalizing the solution. Or oh, treatment, there's there's so much you can do for the patient. One, you have a direct connection to them. Um, there are synergies to be found and, and a combined lift that would be much greater than by the drug alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. If they don't tap into it, they are they are just missing the boat. And let's be honest, you know, it's it you for these drugs to work, you got to put every foot forward. I mean, it's in the patient's best interest to help them as much as possible. But behavioral interventions go hand in hand with drug interventions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there should be no reason that they're not doing it. Plus, then you've got them connected to technology for long-term monitoring, mm-hmm. um, for adherence and compliance, compliance and persistency, all the things that you need from a drug perspective. Mm-hmm. Technologies can do that too. Mm. So I'm I can help with adherence, compliance and persistency. Of course I can. Um, we, we were we were talking about challenges for um, startups um, in in the newer tech um, sector. Let's look at it more on a, on a personal level. Your personal challenges in your role. Would you like to tell my listeners about this? <laughs> personal challenges. And the reason um, why I ask this is because the podcast usually focuses on um, the C-suite role and what are your challenges in doing your job and how do you liaise with other C-suites and that sort of stuff. But I'd, I'd really like to know what have been your own personal challenges in the role well, you know, the, so when you look at it, one, you can't dwell on the negative. I think you just, you have to think about, you know, um, there's always challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be incredibly frustrating at times, but you have to really focus on on the wins and the good stuff. And, and you almost have to forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that you don't learn from mistakes, but you cannot dwell on them. You just, you have to be in like a, what I call a continuous quality improvement mindset. But it's always like, you just need to be better than you were yesterday. And you need to just keep moving forward and you can't fix everything. So there has to be kind of like the top three things that you're going to work on at mm-hmm. a time. And that's it. And then realize too, there's many, there's many bosses in this process. Of course, you have your CEO um, that you're reporting to, but then you also have your investors that you're reporting to. And then, mm. and then your patients and everybody else that you're reporting to. But, uh, you know, if you're going to go work for a startup, realize you're, it's not a nine to five job, will never be a nine to five job. Um, you will, you, you need to think around the clock and be accessible around the clock. That doesn't mean that you don't have personal time, but mm-hmm. you can't sit there and count minutes and think you're clocking in and you're clocking out. There is no such thing as clocking in and out. And mm-hmm. you must, you must find friends. You collaborate with others. I meet regularly with other C-suite executives from digital healthcare companies. We share information. Mm-hmm. We share learnings. Mm-hmm. We share ideas. We get together, I would say more than monthly. We get together like mm-hmm. almost bi-weekly um, trying to help build this ecosystem together because you can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to make some mistakes and you just got to kind of pick up 
and say, okay, what did I learn from that? And what am I going to do different, you know, going forward? And you just keep, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, and it requires, you know, you, you need to connect to, you never know where a door can get opened for your organization mm -hmm. or who knows what. Um, so you have to stay very curious too and be out and about because it's also about market shaping. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of market shaping activities that you have to do. Mm -hmm. Having people understand what your company does, where we fit in, getting name recognition and other things because nobody wants to talk to you until they've heard of you. Mm, exactly, exactly. So, so you've you got to create some noise too at the same time. Know, it's something quite stressful um, being the, the chief commercial <laughs> officer as opposed to perhaps the chief operating officer where you, where you almost have a set of tasks to do with the commercial officer is sort of go out and go forth and make it happen sort of thing. You do. You can't. You can't. Uh, you have to be very good at just deflecting stress. And I would say, you know, make sure you 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 do not give up your morning workout routine. Keep that mm -hmm. going. It is still the best way to get rid of stress. Is do a little workout before you start your day. Um, get up and walk around, and mm -hmm. refresh your head at times. And and know when to just step away from your computer for a minute when you need to get a break. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those, those are, those are always important things, but I, you know, I rely on people I know along the way. I seek advice. Mm -hmm. I'm always curious to learn and just talk to people about what I'm doing or what I'm experiencing mm -hmm. and you get help. And that can come from people within the VC organizations that you're connected to people I've known for many years, um, key advisors to the organization, many other CEOs and C-suite executives that you run things past. They mm -hmm. have the experience of other, you know, they've launched other businesses. Yep. And sometimes they can help you see bumps that you may not even know are coming. And, and anticipation is always a good thing. Just out of curiosity, probably because I've spoken to uh, a guest that has a, this product, uh, does mine may have a product that... Um, Target stress, specific about stress in terms of relieving it? Well, you know what? I mean, it's all connected, right? Um, yeah. So can we work within the neuro, the neuro space and, and neurotherapeutics and it requires physical movement and physical movement always reduces stress. So, and always helps with cognitive function. So there are many other places, you know, one of the best ways to deter Alzheimer's is just to move. It's just mm -hmm. doing physical exercise. It's, you know, it's one of the mitigating risk factors. You just got to move. Um, so it works so many ways, even for mental health mm. movement has been shown to be very effective. So those are kind of the extra byproducts you get. Yeah. Oh, that's from... good. I think, I think listening to you makes me want to exercise, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good for that. I'll probably go on the bike after this conversation. Um, okay. Um, in this final question on his talk, I, I like to look to the future and ask, um, can you summarize for me what you believe this digital age has done for your sector like never before? For me, I think it is the way to actually operationalize and scale up healthcare. I think this truly digital technologies are the best way to scale up and to be able to provide care across the board to all patients from all socioeconomic backgrounds, from all areas, whether it be urban America or rural, uh -huh. um, 
or emerging markets, mm -hmm. uh, technology can be there. Mm -hmm. All you need mm -hmm. is to start. And it's just such a way of equalizing healthcare globally that I think it's just at the beginnings of it. But I mm -hmm. truly, from you know, that's one of the reasons I got into this is I truly believe it's one way to equalize healthcare across the board mm -hmm. and to be able to scale up in a way that we have never seen before because we just can't grow more healthcare providers and more facilities. Um, so it's the new age. And mm -hmm. I think it's just the beginning of that new age. And I do believe that the rest of the healthcare uh, ecosystem will come on board with it and it will take it to new places. So that's that's how I look at things. Um, mm -hmm. I have I have always looked at technology. I've been in, in, in digital healthcare. I was in it back in the 90s. I worked for an AI company that did cancer detection. There's so much that can be done with technology that we're just at the beginning of getting the return on investment of that. Mm -hmm. it, it does feel like it's at the start. So I'm quite excited with what's going to happen going forward. And, if, uh, and with that, um, any future plans for Mind Maze that you have not already discussed? And perhaps if we can get an exclusive, that'd be even brilliant. <laughs> well, I'm all ears now, I'm all ears listening. Well, our, our goal, of course, is to be, uh, you know, to be in every hospital, to be in every rehab facility and eventually be home with a patient also. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's ultimately our goal. Of course, you know, we did sign the partnership with Mount Sinai as step one. And like I said, the exclusive would be Vibra. We just signed a collaborative agreement with them to be able to provide services mm -hmm. um, within their hospitals that they have across the US and, and we're looking to expand that. But that is that is what we're doing across the US. And then of course, we're looking to do that in the UK and then looking to do that across Germany. And we've seen great results so far as we have mm -hmm. a significant number mm -hmm. of patients within our, within our database that we've already been able to see significant mm -hmm. improvements with. So we continue, we want to continue to grow that across the globe. Yeah, that's fantastic. And as I said, I'd like to share some of the testimonies that, that um, some of the users of your products have given online so that our listeners can just hear from, from them uh, that the work that you've been doing has been great for them and how it's been received. Uh, Patricia Bradley, a delight to have you on the show today. Many thanks for your time and insights. Pleasure talking with you. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.